Welcome back to the BAT Podcast. I'm Howard Swig, and I'm with a very special guest today, Joey Pomerenke of the Dallas Motor Club. Joey, what's happening? What's going on, Howard? How we doing? Doing well. Really appreciate you taking the time to be with us. I know our listeners um, are going to really enjoy hearing from you. Um, you've been a community member on BAT for, for several years now. You've kind of, I would say, quietly now sold almost 200 cars um, on Bring a Trailer, uh, both personally and through um, the Dallas Motor Club entity. Tell us a little bit about uh, kind of how you got started on BAT and, and what you what you do day to day. Yeah, so I guess like a lot of people, um, you know, followed BAT before the auction days, you know, always enjoyed the, you know, the, the email that would show up in my inbox and, you know, seeing the interesting um, posts and finds on there. Um and then when you guys launched the auction side, um, I had sold a couple of my cars on there. I'd sold a few cars that I just, you know, bought that, you know, I wanted to drive for a while, but didn't plan on keeping them. Um, got to a point where I had a few friends that wanted me to sell cars for them on there. Um, and this was before Dallas Motor Club. This is just on my personal account. Um, and then, yeah, I ended up launching Dallas Motor Club. Um, you know, probably it's about five years ago now. Um, and really the whole premise of that was to be kind of a, kind of a marketing arm to help, you know, consumers sell their, whether it's classic or specialty vehicle. Um, and yeah, I guess the, the rest is history. We've, you know, the, we've helped sell, you know, probably thousand plus cars. Um, we primarily focus on, on the auction channel. So whether it's BAT or we did a lot of in-person stuff early on, um, I can honestly say BAT is our favorite channel. So <laughs> you'll probably see us selling more and more um, on, on BAT. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that's, that's kind of the, the backstory there. Um, you know, just having fun selling cars. No, that's terrific. And um, and you and I have exchanged probably probably hundreds of emails over the last five years and have never actually spoken before. And, and here we are, uh, you know, recording our first conversation. So another great yeah. reason to uh, to do these podcasts. Um, you sell a bunch of interesting stuff. I'm just looking through your user profile. Um, it seems mostly stuff from kind of the 2000s, uh, 90s and 2000s, so mostly uh, later model cars, a lot of Mercedes Benz, a lot of Aston Martin. Um is that kind of the stuff that you are mostly interested in or, or um, how do you pick the stuff you sell and, and um, you know, what are you into personally? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. So I think I'm, I'm in my late thirties. So, you know, a lot of the cars that I am selling are cars that, you know, when I was younger, you know, just stuff that I wanted to own. Right. But clearly couldn't afford a $200,000 car when I was, you know, in my twenties or something. Um, you know, so it gives me an opportunity to, to now be able to, you know, enjoy these cars and, and obviously find new, new homes for them. Um, but more importantly, I think in the, in the car business, when you specialize in, you know, specific makes and models, you get very familiar with them. Um, you know, and so it's, you, you start to know them really well and know which ones are good, which ones are, are bad. And, you know, it, it makes the, the overall business a lot easier too. So. And, and are most of these cars uh, that you, you guys own uh, directly? Are you doing consignment sales or is it, or is it a mix? 
it's a mix. So when we started, it was very heavy on consignment and we've really shifted where we're starting to own more. And a lot of it is just because we're realizing consumers when they come to us, they just want to sell their car. And for us, it's like, all right, cool, we'll buy it. Um, you know, everyone's happy and, you know, we'll likely end up making more money on the, on, you know, doing it that way either way. So, um, I would say that we're probably at about 75%, um, cars that we own to about 25% consignment now. Yeah, very good. And, and, and you're dialing in from, from the Dallas Fort Worth area, but you mentioned to me, um, uh, before we started this, that you're actually from a small town in Iowa. Uh, yep. so tell us how you got where you are and, and what were you, uh, I think we, we'd love to hear what, what were you cruising around in and in rural Iowa? Was that, was that uh, Ford F-250 pickup trucks or, uh, what was happening in, in Joey's youth? Yeah, absolutely. So I learned to drive, um, ironically on a Ford Ranger. Um, it was a, it was a manual. So I learned to drive a manual out of the gate, but that was pretty common, I think, especially in the, you know back in the day and obviously living, you know, in a farm area. Um, but learn to drive on a Ford Ranger. My first car was actually a, I believe it was a 91. So Fox body style Mustang. Um, love that car. You know, the 5.0 V8 um, is convertible. Um, yeah, super cool car. Um, so those are the cars in high school. Um, but, you know, growing up, it was always it was always German cars, German and British cars that I always had were kind of keen to. Um, and maybe it was the fact that they just weren't like, there was no way you would ever see one anywhere near where, where I grew up. Um, they, there was no BMW dealerships, you know, in the middle of nowhere, Iowa, you know, probably the closest maybe in Chicago in the eighties, nineties. Um, you know, so it was one of those things that, you know, I always just, you know, you open the magazines and you see them or, you know, you see them on a movie or whatever it was. And I was just drawn to kind of the, you know, just the design of them. And, you know, to me, that was kind of what really got me into the love of cars. Um, I never really I've never really been like an American muscle car guy. It just happened to be, you know, hey, this is a cool looking Mustang. I'll buy it for my first car. Um, so, yeah. So that's kind of the the backstory on on the car side. Yeah, very good. You're from, uh, you're from uh, Calumet, Iowa. Shout out to any uh, BAT members that uh, are, are from that neck of the woods or know where that is. Um, it looks like you're, what, 20 or 30 miles outside of uh, Sioux Falls and Sioux City. Uh, that doesn't really strike me as a, uh, a hotbed for, for European sports car enthusiasm, but I could be wrong. Um, so what, what, They're definitely rusted out if, if there was any there. You know what's the neatest uh, deal, which is which is obviously a well-known thing, is is the kind of junkyards in uh, in Rapid City, uh, South Dakota. Did did you ever uh, take a road trip up there and and walk the aisles uh, uh, in Rapid City? I mean, some some amazing stuff out there. I can't say I have, but I'm sure there's there's lots of great stuff out there. I have to say, having done a number of uh, cross country trips through kind of uh, the middle of the country, I've really fallen in love with. Um, the kind of Midwest weekend dirt track scene. Uh, oh, yeah. I don't know if it was in Sioux uh, Falls or somewhere else, but I went to a place called the Red River Speedway on a Friday night. 
was on a cross country trip, was in town for, you know, the sun went down and walked out of the motel. And and sure enough, there was a, you know, local uh, dirt track racing going on. Was that kind of part of your uh, experience growing up in in, in Iowa? Yeah. So my dad is really, really big into racing. And so I grew up um, around that scene. He he sponsored a lot of sprint car um, drivers. You know, there's old like dirt tracks, you know, every small town in the Midwest, whether it's, you know, everything from demolition derby cars to figure eight to, you know, whatever it might be. Um, and yeah, it's a lot of fun. I, I really enjoyed going and watching, you know, sprint car races. Those, those things are wild. Wait, your dad was sponsoring other guys. What about you? Where, where, where was, where was the cash for his kid to get behind the wheel? You know, it's funny. We never, we did go-kart racing for a, a short while, um, but never really got into it. Um, I guess I missed out as a child. <laughs> I, sh- I should have been, I should have been asking dad to sponsor me. <laughs> very good. Very good. And, and so you've obviously um, actually uncovered, um, I think maybe your original BAT user account um, which was just you personally. And then starting in the fall of 17, you, you, um, I guess, uh, uh, around that time you started Dallas motor club and started selling, you know, a higher volume car, a higher volume of cars in a more intentional way. Um, so you, is, is that right? You, you, did you start selling some personal stuff, um, you know, back in 15, 16, and then you said, Hey, I, I could actually do something with this. Yeah, exactly. So decided to, to turn it into an actual business. So, um, you know, went the, the legal route of selling cars, you know, got dealer license, bonded, insured, you know, um, you know, got a warehouse space that we, we stored cars, did the work on. And then, yeah, over the last five years, five years have just expanded into higher volume. Um, we have two spaces now we have a space in Dallas, a space in Fort Worth, um, you know, that we do all of our, whether it's storage or reconditioning or, um, you know, whatever the car might need. And I know you have a, a Dallas Motor Club is kind of is kind of a, the passion side of, of the business for you. I know you have a kind of a broader um, uh, holding company that does a number of kind of automotive remarketing uh, businesses. You had mentioned you do some stuff um, kind of in more the, the uh, wholesale channels with Carvana and, and, and retail dealerships. Um, but it sounds like the, the, the bring a trailer uh, stuff uh, has to be quite quite a bit different than um, kind of the meat and potatoes of uh, of the other stuff. T- tell us about kind of the, the different channels that you operate in and and uh, and how the bring a trailer uh, business kind of stands apart. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so we've got <clears throat> we've got a company that basically does we call it automotive remarketing, um, and really all that means is we're a wholesale dealer that sells cars to other, um, you know, retail dealerships. So we sell cars to everyone from, you know, the e-commerce players like Carvana to rental car companies like Hertz to, um, you know, smaller, I guess we call them buy here, pay here lots uh, around the country that, you know, do the kind of in-house financing stuff. Um, So they're, they're looking for everything from, you know, like a 2008 Jeep Patriot with 110,000 miles on it, you know, to a Mercedes C-Class that, you know, everyone and their brother drives. Um, so it's just a different a different beast on its own. Um, it's really a high volume, 
um, a lot of just cars coming into where our warehouses and getting some some work done and then really being transported out to to other retail dealerships around the country. So, so, so that's that side of the biz. And, and I mean, man, if, if you're taking leads for for, you know, 100K miles, Jeep Patriots, um, that's got to be quite a bit different than than the uh, the stuff you're dealing with on a weekly basis through the through the bring a trailer channel. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So bring a trailer is our only. So we've got another we've got another channel, which is basically we work with consumers all over the country to sell their car for them. So, you know, you have opportunities to sell your car through whatever, trade it in. You can take it to like a CarMax and, you know, get an offer for it. You can, you know, obviously sell it yourself, which is a pain. Um, but ba we basically work with one of the largest auction, digital auction platforms. Um, and we work with consumers where if they want to wholesale their car, we basically play that middleman. Um, we send out an inspector directly to their home. It gets loaded into the auction platform and dealers compete over their car. Um, so it's an inter and, and the reason why I'm saying this is a lot of people ask, well, how do you find your inventory? We're not like we don't have buyers sitting in, you know, a Mannheim lane somewhere, you know, bidding on the few interesting cars that that might go through there. Um, most of the car leads that we're getting that we're selling on Bring a Trailer are are from our our channels that were either looking for wholesale leads or buying cars from consumers. And you you mentioned that uh, what is that high volume auction uh, auction platform where dealers are, are bidding against each other? Did, did you did you did you mention the name of that? No, so it's it's called cardo.com. So dough like as in, you know, cash. Um, yeah, so cardo.com, that's the 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 platform there. Um, it's it's something we actually just recently launched and really excited about. Actually, I think it's uh, you know it's gotten a lot of great feedback so far. Um, really putting the I guess you know putting the the consumer you know one step ahead of the dealer and actually being able to get what their car is worth and not being lowballed with a trade in or you know some bad offer that you know these dealers turn around and wholesale the car and make three grand on or mm -hmm. something. Cardo. Okay, I'll have to check that out. Never uh, heard of that before, but I'll uh, I'll take a peek. Um, currently, you you have a couple cars live, but, but one is is a bit uh, is a bit far afield from what you typically sell. And I'm wondering if there might be be a special connection. Um, it's a 1983 BMW 320iS. Uh, tell us tell us about that car. Yeah, absolutely. So, I've always loved the E21. Um, my cousin, she she grew up in the Portland area, um, and when I was a kid, I remember her. She sent me a photo of this, you know, mustard yellow colored, you know, nineteen seventy nine three twenty i that she had just bought for her first car, and I just just fell in love with it. It was so unusual, you know, compared to all of the, you know, Ford trucks and, you know, Chevy Berettas that all the kids were were driving around in the Midwest. Um, you know, and it just kind of tugged at my, my heartstrings. And so I've always, always been a fan of them. And ironically, I've never, I've never been in the market to buy one. Um, and a few years ago, probably three and a half years ago, I got a phone call from a guy that he had one. Um, it, I guess it was a, a relative that passed away and it had been in storage for, for a handful of years. Um, and I wasn't really interested in it just because I'm like, these things are kind of a dime a dozen. 
um, you can still find them. It's not like it's some, you know, classic that, you know, you, you have to jump at. Um, but he sent me some photos and I realized it was the factory um, sport package car and, you know, confirmed it with the window sticker was in the car. Um, so I, I, I told him I'd take it and I threw it, I threw it in a warehouse of ours underneath a car cover for years um, with the idea of, you know, I'm going to restore this car, um, you know, and it's just going to be a fun project. I'm not a, I'm not a get my hands dirty and, you know, restore cars type of person. And so it kind of just became not a high priority on my list. Um, you know, and I always just thought maybe one day I'll get to it. And during the, during the pandemic, when everything was kind of locked down, um, you know, things slowed on our end and, you know, I had more free time. And so me and my guys just started working on it. Um, it was just kind of a fun, you know, past the time little project. And then we got busy again. Um, the project stopped and, you know, decided a handful of months ago that I'm, I'm going to sell it and find a, find a new home for it. Somebody that's actually going to finish the project and enjoy it and, you know, take it to the next level. Yeah, certainly. So that's a car that'll, that'll end uh, a couple of days after, after this uh, podcast airs. Uh, I noticed that that's a no reserve auction and thumbing through your history. It seems like you've really embraced the no reserve format for, for the majority of, of the cars that you sell. Um, how has that gone for you? And, and, um, is, is that something that you picked up early on or how, how have you, uh, uh, how have you felt that's, that's worked out? Yeah, no, I think it's, I think two reasons why, why we decided to do no reserve. I think I'm a firm believer, let the market speak of what a car is worth. Um, and I think BAT is, is the market. Um, you know, I think that you guys have, a big enough audience now globally that, you know, the car is going to sell for what it, what it's worth. Like if it, if it doesn't meet the reserve, that means I priced it wrong. That means I either purchased it wrong. That means I priced it wrong. Um, so I'm not even going to go to that hassle of having to deal with the stress of, is this car going to sell? I'm going to let it sell. If I lose money, I lose money. I'll make it up on the next one. Um, but also like it's, you know, for us, it's, we've, we've gotten really good at judging, judging the market, especially since we only focus on, you know, cars that we know really well. Um, you know, so I, it's pretty easy for me to say, all right, cool, we'll do a no reserve because I know that this is going to sell for at least what we have into it because I know the market. And if for some reason it doesn't, that means we, we messed up somewhere, um, whether we missed something on the car or, um, you know, it has nothing to do with, with BAT. It has to do with us. Certainly. And uh, kind of in the broader headlines, uh, kind of the, the, the prices of, of, of used cars have been getting a lot of attention but with chip shortages and, and uh, you know, there's an inflation discussion. Um, but, but by and large, it seems that the kind of used car market um, kind of across the board has really been on fire, um, you know, given your, your BAT connections and also what you do um, kind of in the other wholesale channels. Have you found that to be the case? What are you seeing in, in the markets you operate in today? Yeah, no, I mean, wholesale prices have skyrocketed, obviously, that's everywhere. Everyone knows that, um, you know, you've, you've got people, it's crazy how many people, including my wife, actually, we sold her Volvo, but how many people are, are selling their cars, you know, that 
say they're leasing them or whatever and getting out of them at basically what they paid for them or, you know, making money, um, you know, with the, the lack of new car inventory, there's a huge demand in used cars and, you know, the simple supply and demand, right? So the prices are, are obviously going up. Um, I think it affects the, the type of stuff that sells on bring a trailer a little less, but I will say just in general, the kind of the collector car market, the values I feel like have really skyrocketed in the last couple of years, um, also, but mo- most of the time, to me, that's more built around, you know, the economy and, you know, I don't, it's not like somebody, you know, used car prices are going up. That doesn't necessarily mean that a 2003 Mercedes SL 55 is going to follow a trend. Certainly. And on that note, uh, you, you do seem to, uh, you know, have a very high uh, proportion of your auctions um, be Mercedes Benz models, uh, specifically kind of in the, in the nineties and, and early mid two thousands. Um, is, is there a special Mercedes connection that you have or, or, or what, what do you attribute that to? Uh, no, I just always liked the, you know, the history with AMG. Um, one of my first collector cars was a, a one ninety E, um, you know, the 16 valve, the Cosworth, um, just always loved that car. Um, I've just always been a big fan of, of, of just the German brands in general. And Mercedes has always been at the top of the list with, you know, the amazing stuff that they've done on, you know, on the AMG side. And I think that they make really, really good cars. Um, you know, and that's, you know, so for me, it's just, I like, I sell the stuff that I'd want to buy. Understood. And, and we had talked about the 320 IS you're selling. Actually, I'm, I'm, I'm digging through some ancient history on your, uh, kind of starter account and you actually mm-hmm. sold, um, several years back, you may remember it, a, a white uh, 83-320i Sport, um, among some other kind of cool, uh, kind of affordable uh, 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 German classics. Is that, uh, uh, it, it, it didn't just start this week. You've been, you weren't lying. The, 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 that, that generation is something that, that speaks to you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, I remember that, that white 320i. Um, I bought it off a guy in Dallas here and he he'd owned it for ever. I mean, I think he was, I don't remember, he might've been original owner on it. Um, but that thing had 250,000 miles or something. You know, the, the guy that bought it on, on BAT, he still, I see him occasionally comment on, on 320i listing. So I think he still has that car and, you know, hopefully enjoying it and hopefully it's been a good car for him. And is is that the type of stuff that was hanging up on your wall when you were uh, when you were in high school in, in Calumet, Iowa, or what what was the stuff that, that you lusted after? Absolutely, um, yeah. Anything anything Mercedes and and BMW was definitely on the wall. The other um, the other big one was I'm a huge huge fan of the the Range Rover Classic. Um, I own, I actually own a 1990, um, things probably about as clean as you can get. Um, so I've been very, very happy with the, uh, the values of those in the last few years, those things are starting to, to skyrocket. Definitely. And, uh, and, and also I noticed, um, uh, several years back you had sold a, a 1993, uh, Range Rover classic long wheelbase that you had listed as a project. It sold for, for $6,000, um, Typically, '90s Range Rover and Project are, are are pretty scary words to have in one sentence. 
what do you remember about that car? And and uh, yeah, what, what's been your what's been your Range Rover experience o- over the years? I think you actually nailed it, Howard. Um, I bought that Range Rover as a project and realized that those words shouldn't go together. Um, but the guy that bought it, I don't know if he actually ended up moving forward, was the right guy to buy it. Um, it was a very rust-free example, um, and he was planning on completely rebuilding it and putting, um, I think, an LS motor or some modern motor in it or something. Um, you know, so I think that he was he was happy with you know his purchase. But after I bought two Project Range Rovers. <laughs> That was the second one. I sold it on VAT. I sold the first one to a, a buddy of mine that owns a Land Rover um, shop. And I don't know what, I think they ended up actually restoring it. Um, but I decided at that time I was going to find the cleanest example I can find and purchase it. So that is the one I own now. And I ended up finding it was a, it was a 1990 with a little under 100,000 miles. Um, it was in the desert in California. I think it was in Palm Springs or something. Um, and it spent his whole life in California. Records from new, just a amazing, amazing find. And um, looking back at what I spent on it, I'm probably a wise choice to find a clean one. Yeah, very good. I, I also, I mean, you, you, you sell a lot of kind of the 2000s uh, era uh, Mercedes, but at one point you had listed with us uh, one of my favorite cars and, and something that is, uh, definitely desired around around uh, the BAT office uh, with all of our staff, uh, which was a 190E uh, 2.316 Kazi. Um, you held on to it at the $20,000 high bid, which looking back was, was probably a good decision. Um, is, is that kind of the, the, the pinnacle for you in terms of uh, 80s Mercedes or, or tell us about that car? Yeah, so that... Um... I regret selling it. <laughs> I miss that car every day. So I, I, the, the sale did end up going through to a local guy. Um, I think it was the high bidder. Um, so the backstory on that car, it had originally sold on Bring a Trailer. Um, a buddy, and it sold to a guy in the DFW area. A buddy of mine knew that the guy had bought it. Um, and like a year later, he was ready to get rid of it. It's, it's a car collector in, in Fort Worth that bought it. Um, so I called him up and said, I'll take it. And I, I paid him, I don't, I think I paid him what he had paid on bring a trailer for it. Um, and I had that car for a handful of years and just absolutely loved it. It was such a great example. It had a little bit higher mileage, but it was well taken care of. It was super clean. Um, yeah. And then just got to the point, just, just like the 320i, you know, at one point you have to, you have to move on. So sold it, um, you know, sold it on bring a trailer, but it didn't, you know, it didn't sell on bring a trailer, but the, the, the high bidder was a local guy and, and he ended up purchasing it. That car had some neat R129 wheels on it. Yeah. Uh, had, had the, the, uh, W124 400E front caliber and rotor brake upgrade. Um, yeah. kind of some, uh, kind of some deep cut, uh, uh, Mercedes stuff going on. Yeah, that was a great car. And so tell us about, you know, you're, you're, you're in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, a ton of BAT uh, community members um, that are there and in Texas more broadly. Um, what, what's the car scene like there and, and kind of where can, where can people find you in Dallas Motor Club and, and, and what's all going on this fall? Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
Yeah, so I mean, obviously the car scene here is great. There's, you know, any anything and everything that you could want or ask for here. Um, you know, I'll be honest, I'm not really, when it comes to the, the scene or, you know, the event side, I don't get out to a lot of that stuff. And a lot of that is just my personality. I'm not a huge, you know, I guess extrovert, if you want to call it that. Um, you know, and I, I, I really, I'm busy with work. I mean, I, you know, automotive company that I own, obviously, outside of Dallas Motor Club. I've, you know, I, my background is in technology and, and startups. And so I still, I still have a couple of venture back companies that, um, you know, buddies of mine started that I do work with. Um, you know, I, I very much spend the majority of my time behind a computer. Um, and then any other free time, you know, it's, it's family time. So don't get out to the events much. Um, but, you know, obviously I'm more than willing to meet people in the community and, you know, happy to, you know, help how I can. And obviously DallasMotorClub.com is our website. You know, you can hit me up there and, you know, reach out, introduce yourself, and I'm happy to grab coffee or, you know, do whatever. Well, you've got a lot going on. You're working. You, you don't have time to play uh, maybe as much as you would like. So so how, how many, How many? what's the head count? I mean, you're, you're not doing this all yourself. How, how many uh, uh, staff do you have uh, working for you? Yeah, so we've got, it's kind of funny because we've got a very like 1099 model. Um, and a lot of that is based off, we've just got a lot of great partners that we work with that do, you know, X, Y, or Z. We've got, you know, a couple amazing detailers here in in Dallas Fort Worth area that we work with, you know, high end guys that do all of our bring a trailer, um, you know, detail stuff. We work with um, an amazing uh, photographer. I mean, he's been shooting cars for 30 plus years, um, you know, so the studio shots you see is, um, you know, is, is a studio of his. He's got by Lovefield. It's called Lovefield um, Photography, Car Photography. Um, you know, if you're, if you need a car shot in, in Dallas, I highly recommend using him. He's just an amazing guy. Um, you know, in terms of, you know, we've got a handful of mechanics that do work for us. We've got, you know, a handful of just general help. But I mean, our staff is probably, you know, 10, 12, maybe. So, I mean, it's, it's nothing too crazy. Uh, well, Joey, I really appreciate you taking the time um, and appreciate you being a member of our community. You've sold, like I said, n nearly 200 cars. Um, I don't think we've ever had a single a single complaint or anything, but but a five star review for for um, uh, from buyers for, from what you've sold. So keep up the great work. We're lucky to have you. Um, and it was a pleasure to have you on. Yeah, thanks, Howard. Appreciate it. All right. Bye bye. And, and we'll see everyone next week for another episode. <laughs>